Crossover loses Engels. Zion stays down for the hammer. I'm going to say it again, Joe. That's not normal. <laughs> That's not normal. You don't... What's up, guys? Welcome to Birdwatch, a New Orleans Pelicans podcast powered by NOLA.com. Uh, got some news to, to go over today. Zion Williamson is expected to make his NBA debut January 22nd. That's this coming Wednesday against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, today, here with NOLA.com columnist Rod Walker. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Glad to, glad to have you in here. And we're here with producer slash utility man, Jeff Nowak. Yo. Uh, guys, that was a pretty eventful media session over in Metairie today. Uh, there were, I don't know, 50 people there to listen to David Griffin address the media and, and let us know that finally we have a you know, return date for Zion Williamson. He has missed 41 games after tearing the meniscus in his right knee. Uh, this was sweet relief more to me more than anything. I mean, I'm, I'm just glad that, that we have something tangible to go on. It, it's just been constant questions of when he's coming back, when he's coming back. And one of the interesting things I thought Griffin said was, this is a relief for Zion too, because all anybody asks him anymore is, when are you playing, man? Is he supposed to be good? I haven't heard much about <laughs> it. I, I think he's a pretty decent basketball player, yeah. Yeah, Alvin Gentry, too. I mean, he's a guy that he's been getting asked this question time and time again. So I know for him he's relieved to have that out of the way, too. And now we can sort of, you know, look at these next three games and then get ready for the debut. Didn't Alvin tell, tell us that a woman at Walmart came up to him on a scooter and asked, hey, Alvin, when is uh, Zion coming back? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everybody's been hearing. I, I think I asked Drew Holiday about it um, last week. And, I mean, it's just something that if you're on this team, I mean, you're hearing that question everywhere you go and now we can finally put it to bed and so that's that's a good thing for these guys it kind of feels to me like until they came out with a date it was almost like in your head you knew he was coming back in your heart you were just like i don't know if this guy's ever gonna play and like you watch these games and you keep waiting and waiting and waiting but now you have a date it just seems to change the entire like feeling the entire emotion about it yeah i really hope that reggie miller is not on social media today it would have been a really (laughs) tough day for him Uh, i think reggie threw out there earlier this year that oh zion is not going to play at all this season one of the things that that david griffin said today was that was silly that was never the case i mean even in in the week after zion got hurt and had the surgery you know his plan was to play this season the pelicans plan was for him to play this season i mean it was a significant injury but this wasn't like a terrible injury. This wasn't Blake Griffin fracturing his kneecap or anything like that. Right, right. and that was an example that, uh, that David Griffin uh, brought up today, that this wasn't Blake Griffin. I mean, this is a more of a procedure and just something they wanted to get fixed before Zion gets his career started, and uh, they just wanted to make sure that they had everything lined up and to, that he's good to go. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the date they set forth, and they have some big games coming up, some TV games that I'm sure the NBA is like, man, I wish he could play for you – know, they play the Clippers on Saturday on ABC. They play Memphis on uh, Monday for the um, MLK game. You know, So those are two big televised games that they're not going to play them in because they want to make sure that he's ready. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of defied convention for me because in my head it made more sense for the Pelicans to want to bring him back on a national TV game just to get that exposure just because you're a team that's constantly trying to get attention in, in a good way not in the Anthony Davis wants to leave way. And it just seemed like it made sense and the timing matched up. But I think that's actually kind of telling about, you know, they're not worried about that. Clearly, they don't care about that unless they're trying to avoid it for whatever reason. But, like, they brought him back literally the game after two national TV games. If they were, like, thirsty for attention, 
<laughs> they could have found a way around that and even pushed it back four days later until the Boston game. They right. didn't do that. They bring it back on a Wednesday in the middle of the week right. against the Spurs. Right. I mean, so yeah. You know, and maybe that's part of just taking the pressure off because they said he isn't going to get a ton of minutes and they don't want to get that like reaction of like, wow, he only played 12 minutes on this national TV and then everyone tuned in for. But uh, I thought that was a really interesting choice. And I think that's part of the reason like this, it was such a surprise date. Yeah, there was a, a report over the weekend from a, a dude who hosts a show on SiriusXM that, oh, Zion was going to come back January 16th. Um, it was funny. David Griffin said today that he, Williamson, and the medical staff sat down this morning and, and arrived at that January 22nd date. You know, it was silly to see people try to try to throw darts, as, as Griffin said, at the wall and predict the return date. I mean, it wasn't even decided until this morning. Um, you know, I think the Pelicans have been overly cautious throughout this process. That's a phrase you've heard them use a number of times. Zion went through his third full practice today. They want him to get uh, two more practices under his belt, uh, one of which Griffin said would be fairly intense. I, I think that it's smart that they've, they've kind of slow played this and been overly cautious because I, I think Zion is an unprecedented player. We've just never seen a guy who's 285 pounds who can jump 45 inches in there, and you have to treat that situation as such. And this is a team that's been on the road a lot, and they haven't got all those practices in. So, I mean, they've, you know, now they're getting a chance to get some in, and, and they'll be able to evaluate a little bit more here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an important point. I mean, the practices, they just haven't had that many to, to get them right. So I think this process, too, has been about, you know, working with, with Cyan to prevent injuries in the future. The phrase that the team has used has been improve his kinetic chain, Griff was asked about that today, what that means. Um, you know, he said a lot of that has to do with flexibility, you know, in his ankles, in his knees. You know, people took the initial report out of, out of context that they're relearn, they're teaching him how to relearn how to walk or whatever. That was always kind of silly. But <laughs> I, I do think it's smart that the way he's running, the way he's, he's landing after he jumps, improving his flexibility, I think it's smart that they are doing these things in an effort to prevent something like this from happening again. It says a lot about how different of an athlete that we're dealing with with Zion. I mean, this is stuff that you never hear anybody talking about all these things for um, someone coming into the league. So I just tell you that, you know, with his size and, and just his explosiveness, that how rare it is. And they're, they're doing everything they can to protect it and make sure that, you know, we can still see that same thing three, five, ten years from now. Well, the crazy thing about Zion is he didn't know when the injury occurred. That's not BS. Like, he, he can't pinpoint a specific time that it occurred. So, like, it's it's very possible that like he was out there with the torn meniscus playing pretty well. I mean, he noticed discomfort after the Spurs game. They did the MRI. So that was a, a pretty crazy part of this. I mean, you're right that he is like just a once-in-a-generation athlete. Like, it's like, you remember how Bo Jackson, like, he he had that, that injury that basically, and I'm not likening Zion's situation to this, but he had the injury that, that ruined his career because he was, like, too strong, really. Like, he was supposed to get tackled, but he kept, like, striding or whatever, and that's how he got hurt. I mean, you're, and you're assuming that it happened this this season. I mean, like, who knows how long his knee has been screwed up? Like, he's the type of player that you know, even at 85 percent, he's still able to do things that basically no one else can do. So, who knows when this occurred? It's just it kind of yeah, it kind of reinforces the fact that he's just not the same. The same as like anyone else is what I mean by that. And and also like part of the reason you get that kind of like weird interpretation of oh he's relearning how to walk he's doing all this is because the pelicans are doing exactly what people have been critical of which is like there's concern that his weight is going to be an issue there's concern that his long-term impact on his knees is going to be a factor and they're going way above and beyond 
you know, preparing for that in terms of getting his knee ready and making sure he understands the proper way to land and forcing people to Google kinetic chain. Uh, like it's, <laughs> torque. <laughs> yeah, and torque and stuff like that, yeah. So, I mean, like, the, it, it's funny watching the criticism and the reaction to the criticism also create more criticism, <laughs> like, in terms of, like, you know, Jalen Rose saying he's not going to play more than – he's not going to play 82 games in his career. Like, how many guys that size – play eight full 82 game seasons anyway like LeBron did it once like but anyway it, it's it's really interesting to see like the team kind of react to what people are saying the reaction to the team doing what people are saying and then you know we arrive at this point we are now where we finally get to see that the phrase torque was used like 10 times today I didn't know if we were talking about like a person or an f-150 or something <laughs> The first time I heard David Griffin use torque was when we were in Toronto for the season opener. He he mentioned it, and you know it was it's kind of mind blowing to hear somebody talk about torque for and just all the um, the biomechanics, I guess, of this um, whole thing. He said that on the broadcast too when he did that interview. Yeah, he started dropping terms of just like everyone's just shaking their head, like what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but it's nice to know that there's there is some scientific backing going into it. I think that's part of what he's trying to like. They're not just sitting there like listening to a doctor and like marking a date on a calendar like there's understanding and there's scientific method going on you know one of the things that griff said today was zion has kind of been a little bit i guess exasperated that he feels like he's ready to be out there and the team has said no no we're gonna keep holding you back and keep holding you back we want to be 100 percent sure before we put you out there i mean zion said after the first full practice he went to on january 2nd i felt like i could have been out there two weeks ago one of the things you love about him is that I think the guy likes to compete more than anything. You know, I think back to his time at Duke when he blew out a shoe and, and just had that mild knee sprain. There were people saying, oh, you know, Zion should should stick out and, and stick or uh, sit out the rest of the season <laughs> and just think about his future. And when Zion came back, he was just like, I love playing basketball. Yeah, I mean, you have to keep in mind that he's a 19-year-old kid. And for him, I mean, his tolerance of pain is probably a lot better than most people. And I just think, I mean, he does love the game. It's something he's done his whole life. and. A little knee injury, a little tweak here, he feels like he can play through that, and I just think that's that passion that you see and that you're going to continue to see. You know, I think, obviously, you know, the biggest reason he connects with so many different types of basketball fans, the hardcores and, like, even the little kids, is the dunking, the leaping. I mean, nobody can do that at that size, but I think another significant reason what we just talked about is there is just a genuine love of the game. Like, it just it just comes through. I mean... It, it's kind of refreshing, you know, even in today's age when athletes and especially NBA players are referring to themselves as like CEOs of their own company. And then you have this dude just come in and be like, yeah, man, I, I just want to hoop and win. Yeah. And the fact that he's, I mean, he's making road trips with this team. I mean, he could stay in New Orleans and just, you know, take it easy. But he wants to be a part of it. He wants to be with those guys. And to me, that says a lot about him. I mean, that shows a level of maturity that, you know, none of this stuff has gone to his head yet. He's you know, soaking in all the attention, but he's handling it really well, and I think that shows just in his just his being around, his presence, and just you know, just everything he's done. I wish you guys could have seen the pregame scene in New York when they played the Knicks. Um, <laughs> there was probably I would say three hundred people out in the court an hour and a half before the game, just just to watch Zion go through his his pregame on court work. I mean, there was I think a hundred elementary school kids. And they were just screaming, like losing their minds anytime he went up. And it was even for layups, too. He has, like, fans who are five, six, seven years old. He connects with those people. Yeah, and you're going to, you know, start next uh, Wednesday when that, when he becomes, a, you know, 
he's, when he starts playing, actually, I mean, it's really going to. And but this team's gonna be like LeBron and Dwayne Wade and and Bosh were with, with with Miami Heat years ago. Everybody's gonna follow this team, or like Kobe was on his his farewell tour. I mean, this is this is really big and just bigger than just the Pelicans. I mean, this is NBA is gonna be pretty global. You've been here for enough time that you kind of have an understanding of like the beginning of the Anthony Davis era and how it all played out, and now into this one. You know, how has the fan kind of reaction to all of this kind of been different in your mind or has it been different well I wasn't here when AD got drafted I came here in his mm-hmm. second season but I mean I've been here to watch preseason practices and, and that preseason practice we saw back in whenever it was when the the place was pretty packed for for a practice I mean that's unheard of around here and it's just what we're seeing now is different from anything we've seen um, AD didn't have the same hype coming in as Zion did I mean this is what Zion has coming into this season is more like what LeBron had coming into his season. I mean, with the expectations and and it's just different. And I think as as we get closer to this date, I mean, we're going to see it picking up. And I think you did some. You looked up some ticket prices or something, didn't you? I mean, uh, for this game specifically, yeah, for the Spurs, for the yeah, Spurs game, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I got some preliminary numbers. I, I have some calls out to kind of get some like yeah. larger form kind of increases in average price. Right. Uh, but yeah, the the cheapest ticket I saw for that game this morning, like right when I saw right. the push message, I went and checked. And uh, it was eleven dollars. Okay, I, I looked on SeatGeek and I saw one for nine dollars. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so. right. And then it literally they shut down the. Like you couldn't buy a ticket because right. they were there. It was like people racing to either <laughs> delist their tickets because they're going for like five percent of what they will, uh, or people trying to buy as many as possible so they can become the sellers. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the 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 team practice thing, the preseason practice. I thought it was funny because it was like, can we compare this to a previous practice? like that and and see like what the number is it was like you can't because you're comparing it to a preseason practice that like if you asked whether people went they would be like i didn't even know that happened right, right. like it was it wasn't even consideration of going well, right. it was like the, the idea that it, it, it was even a possibility to go wouldn't even factor in uh and then you saw this year and it was like what i mean there was thousands of people there yeah it was, i mean it, it was attended almost as well as like some midweek pelicans games yeah. total yeah, um, yeah and, and those I, days of getting Tickets for single digits are, you know, they're about to be over with. I mean, you, if you don't go see them Thursday against Utah or Saturday against the Clippers, I mean, right. you're going to pay some money to see the Pelicans play in the Smoothie King Center from, from here on. Yeah, I, I checked stuff up like 30 minutes after we got out of availability, and it just said Pelicans versus Spurs parentheses, Zion's debut. So <laughs> that? StubHub was quick with it, wow. too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is a, you know, a rare instance of a ton of media hype, but it's been deserved. I mean, Alvin Gentry even said that today. Um, you know, coming out of high school, Zion played in like a two-way independent school in South Carolina. So I think the questions about, oh, how real is this guy legitimate? But what he did at Duke, it, it was one of the greatest college seasons of all time. I mean, he he was not even like the number one option on that team. R.J. Barrett was. And he, he, him and Barrett averaged the same number of points, even though Zion shot the ball five fewer times. I mean, he shot 75% on twos at Duke. Uh, grabbed 8.9 rebounds a game, 3.5 in the offensive glass. He's just a tear in the passing lanes, averaged two steals, almost two blocks. You know, I think the really exciting thing about him, or one of the exciting things is he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to, to make a huge impact on a game, which makes him, you can kind of just slot him in there and, and let him do his thing. You know, the offense doesn't have to, like, flow through him. Yeah, you look at what he did in the preseason. I mean, he averaged 23-6 and six in the preseason, and, Obviously, preseason is a little different because teams aren't really game planning for you. But he, um, I mean, he was just phenomenal there. And I can even go back to summer league in Las Vegas. I got a chance to go to that first game when they played the Knicks. And obviously, he didn't play long. And 
uh, they they pulled him, you know, and that was that was the earthquake game and all that. But, <laughs> yeah, that's um, right, yeah. Just the buzz in the arena leading up to a summer league game in Las Vegas. It was just incredible, man. I just I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's just the buzz is just crazy. Do you, do you think Kevin Knox is okay? He's still playing. <laughs> okay, so I, I didn't get the chance to ask him. But yeah, yeah, he, he, he did you. seem he did seem like he was a little nervous going into that game the other day. But uh, he he made it through. Uh, he he he's, he's I think he made eye contact with Zion. He was like, okay, he's in a three piece suit, and so, uh, he's so like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question before, I um, initially I was tracking the prices of the next two games because the rumor was that he was going right. to come back the next two games, and there are two national TV games. Uh, the rematch with the Jazz, which you know is going to be just another edition of two of probably the most entertaining games the Pelicans played this year. Uh, that game was going for the, the cheapest ticket available in the upper deck was uh, about $26, which for a midweek Pelicans game, that's that's much higher than you'd be normally seeing, especially with no Zion. Uh, but that was the we think he might be coming back price. You're lucky if you sold that ticket during that span because <laughs> if you look now on SeatGeek, uh, those same tickets are going for, any guesses? I'm going to go $3. Did you see it on my screen? No, I didn't well, see it. I promise I didn't see it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Good job. Because it's okay. $3. The same value, the same level tickets. You have, like, I could go, I mean, I have to look how far I have to scroll up this list. Scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, I'm up to $12. Like, there's, like, thousands of tickets available for, like, less than $20 now. And that, that's, it's amazing how one player playing in a game, you know he's going to be there. It changes everything, especially for a small market team. Uh... You know, and, and the same the the Clippers game on Saturday it has its own like kind of standing value, so it's going to be a little higher. But even those tickets, they were in the fifty dollar range when I looked. They're you know they have tickets they've dropped halfway. They're down to twenty four in the low for the get in price. And this is a small market team with some really good players on. It. I mean, we we all know that. Brandon, well, yeah, I mean, if, Brandon, I think if you look, all star type season, right? And then, but <laughs> that's the thing. Like three dollars is. <laughs> Three times as much as it was going for right. in the beginning, you know, during that losing streak, which, you know, I think the Suns game, I saw tickets for $1, which, and they weren't going anywhere. One so. of the things I appreciate about the Smoothie King Center crowd that I, I didn't really know this before, before coming here, it's not a corporate crowd. Like, these are real people coming to these games, and if you give them a chance to, to cheer, they'll go nuts. I mean, that Anthony Davis game was, I mean, one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had at a basketball game. It was, it was just fun, man. I think the New Orleans sports crowd, I mean, if you're out there playing hard and, I mean, they want wins, obviously, but if you're playing like this team is playing and been battling these past couple of weeks, I mean, the fans really get into it, and I think you're starting to see that um, as, as this team has won, what, nine out of 13 games. For for the Saints, it's easy. You know, yeah. th- there's just so much so much built-up, you know, trust and camaraderie between the city and the team. Because the Pelicans don't have that kind of just baseline, right? right? The, it's a fan base that needs to know what it's getting to really show up and be loud. And so for the Anthony Davis game, for you know Zion's debut, those crowds are going to be lit. But when it's just kind of a midweek game where you're you know against the Jazz, you're going to have a hard time pulling it in unless there's unless you're you're proving that like there's playoff implications that you're really going to compete. Uh, like in, in a down year, they're not going to be there, not going to be loud. But you know, when you give them something to cheer for, they are going to be loud and they are going to show up. I mean, that the Blazers playoff series was one of the hottest crowds I have ever witnessed. Period. It for any NBA team that I've been to, 
Um, and it's and it just shows that like there is a fan base. Like it's not that there aren't fans. It's just that you need to consistently show them that what they're going to get is a good product. Uh, and I think what you've seen in the last two weeks, last month, has really been a good example of that. You know, the, the crowd has gotten a lot, a lot thicker, a lot louder. Uh, and this, as long as they keep that up, and then they get Zion back, I think there's a really good chance for the second half of the season to be something special for them, even if they miss the playoffs. I'll be bringing out the noise-canceling headphones uh, next <laughs> week while I'm typing up my game story. Let's take a quick break on Birdwatch on the other side and talk about you know, realistic expectations for Zion in the second half. Back here on Birdwatch, uh, New Orleans Pelicans podcast powered by NOLA.com. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. Mash the subscribe button. Uh, give us a five-star review and you know, tweet me. Let me know what you think. Um, we're going to start taking questions b- before every show. Um, here with Rod Walker and Jeff Nowak. Rod, um, I've only been here for, for three months or so. I've, I've kind of got an idea of you know how you got started in, in, in New Orleans. Uh, people always say you're like the best person to ever cover high school sports around here. Um, I, was, I, was, I was just curious, though. How did you kind of get your start in, in media and what led to, to you getting here? I have a sort of an interesting story. I don't know. If, I haven't told a lot of people this, but I'm like, well, people know it. But I'm from Mississippi originally and I graduated from Mississippi State. And I have a degree in engineering. And uh, that's what I did for the first few years out of college. I mean, I was um, always pretty good in math, and so I liked engineering a lot. But I was also, I mean, I had some journalism scholarships coming out of high school that I sort of turned down. But anyway, I, in engineering, you know, the money was pretty good, but I I just wasn't happy, man. I just couldn't do it anymore. So I can't wake up and I work for a plant that supplied parts to General Motors and uh, just didn't have a passion for it. And so I started working part-time at a newspaper, at a daily newspaper in uh, Jackson, Mississippi at the Clarion Ledger and just to get my foot in the door. And they started a little paper out in the suburbs that came out three times a week and uh, asked me if I wanted to be the sports writer there. And so I started there, stayed there for two years, moved to the Clarion Ledger after that, uh, back to the Clarion Ledger, you know, full-time. And uh, just sort of took off from there. And then in 2013, uh, I was a guy who thought I'd never leave Mississippi. I mean, it was just got a chance to cover a lot of high school sports and I got a chance to cover Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Jackson State. And um, an opportunity started here you know I had an opportunity in New Orleans when I read the job description it seemed so perfect and New Orleans was never a city I had even contemplated moving to and it was just a sort of a perfect fit and I took the job and now I'm in New Orleans I don't think I'll ever leave New Orleans <laughs> that's how much I love the city and uh just a great place and I mean you hear these players always talk about New Orleans and all the culture here and how once you become a part of you know they say if you love New Orleans they'll love you back and that's sort of been the case for me as well so um, started off covering high school sports here and just, you know, a lot of opportunities opened up here as well. And and here I am and it's just wouldn't want to be anywhere else. How has, uh, so you're, you're doing, you know, you're covering the Saints as a columnist, covering, you know, the Pelicans as a columnist. How have you, it's been a year now? Uh, about, well, two years. Two years, two years. yeah. So second I mean, season covering well, the Saints. I mean, yeah. How has that experience been just like, obviously there's a pretty big difference between writing stories and, you know, writing columns. Have you seen kind of like, a tangible change there in like reaction and just atmosphere. Uh, not really. I mean, and the thing about covering those two, you know, the, the, the two franchises. I mean, they're run by the same owner, so a lot of the things <laughs> that you right. that you have to um, 
work with as far as media. I mean, it's sort of the same. I mean, those those two franchises sort of mirror each other as far as uh, you know, just uh, the access and all that. So that's pretty much been the same. And um, just you know, you get a chance to you know meet some interesting players, and you know, it's been it's been fun. That's awesome, man. My uh, my pops is actually an engineer and. He's been, you know, supportive of me doing this, but he probably would not approve of you doing that as a career. But there's a lot of stability in engineering. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, sort of wonder, like, hey, what are you doing? And now, I think looking back at it now, they probably realize that I made the best, you know, made the best move for me. And, um, you know, eventually, um, I mean, it, it all worked out. You know, in the end, it worked out. I mean, it took some sacrifice, but it worked out. Man, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um well, now you've got uh, Zion Williamson to, to watch and cover now. That that worked out pretty good, too. Right. And I always tell people, I mean, I don't know if there's a city in the United States that's better to cover sports in than, than New Orleans. I mean, you look at – I mean, and I, I, get my, I moved here in 2013. There have been two All-Star games here, a national championship game on Monday night. Um, there was a semifinals a few years back when Ohio State beat Alabama. Um, two WrestleManias. I mean, just there's always something going on. And, you know, even if the – Saints are having a down year. You know, they had the three straight 79 seasons, and obviously the Pelicans have had some down seasons. So even when pro teams here aren't doing well, I mean, there's just always so much other stuff going on, and I think that's what makes this um, such a great sports town. How would you describe the New Orleans sports fan? Oh, they're they're fanatical, man. I mean, I think the Saints fans are definitely more all-in. I mean, they are, you know, they – love the Saints. Saints can do no wrong, pretty much. And uh, you see it, especially on social media sometimes, especially after a loss. I mean, people just sort of become almost irrational at times when you see some of the things they say um, after a loss. I mean, they don't oftentimes don't take it well, but uh, that's just, that's what fans are supposed to be like, and that's what you want to see in your fan base. And, you know, that's what's sort of made the Saints have one of the, you know, best fan bases in, 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 the, uh, in the country. And I think the Pelicans, especially with Zion, I mean, I think they have a chance to get, maybe not to where the Saints are, but I mean, they have a chance to really do something special if they come out and support this guy who's, you know, a generation of talent that we haven't seen in a while. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. The Pelicans are four games back of the eight-seeded Memphis Grizzlies right now. Zion, Zion's return is imminent. We finally got a date. They play a pretty easy schedule. They play the league's hardest schedule to date. Do you think they make the playoffs? I think they do. I mean, they're four games out, and this is a team that has about a lot of injuries, and they haven't really even been their team yet. I mean, you know, Derek Favors missed a bunch of the season, and you look at um, just all the injuries, even the ones they've had as recently as this past week, and I just think when you add Zion to the mix and you look at how the schedule sort of lightens up on the back back end, I just think this team is – I think they'll get in. I mean, I think they'll get into that eighth spot, and they got these two games against Memphis in the next two weeks that, you know, that's – they can catch up from ground right there, so I think so. Jeff? I, I hate to be the wet blanket on the Zion party, but it's just, I mean, if watching what the Pelicans have done, the fact that they're in the conversation at all is great. You know, I think the second half of the season, they're going to be in the race the entire way. I just don't see it happening. I really don't. Because you're talking about a situation where the top seven seeds, you know, unless there's, like, serious injuries and the Thunder fall off or the Mavs fall off, you know, the top five aren't going anywhere. Six and seven seem pretty concrete in terms of, like, there's a lot of wiggle room they can hit before they even come close to losing it. And then, so you're basically talking about the eighth seed. And in order to get there, you would need to have a better record than the Kings, the Timberwolves, the Suns, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, 
Six teams. Now, will they have a better record than a lot of those teams? Sure. But that's a lot to ask when you're talking about a team that even the most optimistic expectations, you're talking about, you know, what, five games over 500 the rest of the way? That's barely enough to get you to the point that (laughs) if the metrics stay where they are, you're right there. Now, I don't know if you've watched the, the Memphis Grizzlies play. That team is legit. They are 19 and 22. They've won six games in a row. They're eight of their last 10. Like, as hot as the Pelicans are and as good as the Pelicans have been, the Grizzlies have actually been better. They took apart the Rockets last night. I don't know if you saw that. You know, they, they beat up on the Clippers, uh, you know, I think last week. John Morant looks every bit like an elite NBA player. Um, so, no, I mean, I think that they're going to push forward. I think they're going to have a chance. And I think those two games against the Grizzlies are going to go a very long way toward giving them a chance. If they win those two games, then I'll probably soften my tone because they'll they'll be right there with the Grizzlies and have need one more game to take that season series. So, you know, in that in that sense, then yes. You know, if, if we get there and they win both of those games, sure, I'll, I'll give it to you. But... Right now, no, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't like, honestly say that I think they're going to make the playoffs. So you yeah. have to break the tie, Christian. Oh, man. <laughs> um, man, I'm going to also be a negative Nancy. I'm going to say they get the nine seed and finish one game out of the playoffs. I think they're going to be right there. You know, they said today that, that Zion's probably not going to play in the second night of back-to-backs. That, that chops off four games right there. They have four sets of back-to-backs left. Um, they're going to really monitor those those minutes the first couple of games, too. I think you got to... You know, give him a give him a week or two before you expect to to see him playing. You know, twenty five minutes or or whatever it is. But I think it's going to be really fun. Zion is just one of the most fun players in the league. I I really wish he, that he was playing Monday because I wanted to see Zion and, and John Morant. Morant is freaking electric. Like he really said. is. He's incredible. Yeah. I, I did not. Ex- I mean, I I watched him at Murray State and I knew he was going to be a good NBA player. I didn't expect him to pick it up. This I didn't expect him to be jumping over Kevin Love. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's a fearlessness to his game that's right. like West, like kind of Westbrookian sort of. He like he looks like he's been doing this his entire life in the NBA at least, and it's just this is that's not normal. You know, like you you normal is Trey Young, who you knew was a scorer, but it's still like he he's scoring in the way that's you know part of a team that's terrible. You know, like John Morant is putting up incredible numbers as a rookie on a team that is right now a playoff team. Yeah. It's um, the same feeling, fearlessness that I saw in like. You saw like an Allen Iverson kind of guy. I mean, yes, just, there, yes, just no like fear, that. man. Just yeah, really impressive. And, yeah, but yeah. I mean, at the same time, you know, even if the Pelicans don't get over the hump, there, I think they're going to be in the race. I think they're going to be an intriguing team, especially as you incorporate Zion. And if it comes out of the final week of the season, and you're talking about a couple games difference between you know John Morant and Memphis in the eight seed, and Zion Williamson and the Pelicans in the nine seed, like that's that's great basketball that's what you want that's what you were hoping for when this team kind of came together in the offseason so that's to me that's still success this can be a success even if they miss the playoffs no oh, I, I i totally agree with that i mean you you know we've we've seen a lot of positive signs over these last 13 games even without zion um i mean they're they're trending in the right direction it's it's just been tough i mean alvin jitters used 17 different starting lineups we're at the midpoint of the season i mean it, th- that's another thing that I think makes it difficult to to evaluate. I mean, he's had a, a very difficult job. It it just changes game to game. I I just hope we get to see, you know, Alvin coach a stretch of games with a full deck. 
and I'm sure Alvin would <laughs> agree with that 100. percent Yeah, I mean, that's, we're, we're midway through the season. We still don't really know who this team is. I don't think we just haven't seen all the pieces together, and we won't see all the pieces together until Zion um, is added to the mix. Yeah, that's that was one of the things Griff said. Like, I don't really know what kind of team we are because we we just haven't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> it's crazy that you can play 41 games and, still and not, not really know who you are. And I, I, you know, I buy that. I believe that. Um, I I agree with that sentiment. You know, one another reason why it was always ridiculous that some people were saying that that Zion would. Oh, he's not going to play this season. They're going to redshirt him this season. Pelicans traded for, or they signed JJ Redick, and they traded for Derek Favors because they want to win right now. Like they really believe that the best way to to make some of these young guys grow up is like you know, try to win right now. I mean, why not? You know, I think as soon as you had Redick and Favors in the mix, then there was always going to be the expectation that yeah, we're going for it this year. Yeah, I think they're definitely going for it, and you know. There was no, you know, Griffin said it today, you know, there wasn't a chance that they were going to sit Zion out and do that because this team feels like they can, you know, make a push for it here. And, you know, they're, they're in the they're in the hunt, which is, you know, a good thing considering all they've gone through. And um, there are some games that they definitely should have won during that, especially during that losing streak. But for them to lose 13 games in a row and still be in the hunt, I mean, that <laughs> says a lot about um, some resiliency this team has. I think it says a lot about resiliency. I think it says a lot about Alvin Gentry. And he gets a lot of criticism, and I've said it since day one. He gets a ton of criticism for some for the failures, but he never gets credit for the successes. Which one of those successes is bouncing back from a 13 game losing streak? Which is something that like you could probably look back in the history of the NBA and point to all the teams with 13 game losing streaks and draw a straight line to that coach not being there anymore. Because you know it's hard to come back from that. And this team has done it, and they've done it well, and they've done it in a way that's has them trending up right as they're getting back this formative player who you know funnily enough if you look at the season from the beginning and Zion plays from game one on at this point of the season you're probably talking about like load management in terms of he's getting to the point that he's never played this many games in his like in his career before now (laughs) the nice thing about him missing literally half the season we're literally 41 games into an 82 game season you don't have 41 games left that's a very manageable load that's you know a college schedule basically so I think that that's in terms of like making sure that you have this kind of buttoned up and you're ready to take the training wheels off is probably the best case scenario. So we've got uh, a couple questions from listeners. They asked us on Twitter that I want to throw at you guys. Um, I thought this was a pretty good one. Fernando Ritzman asks, who do you think moves to the bench when Zion returns? I would rather it be J.J. Fralonzo's confidence in his passing ability, especially to Zion. Um, do you... Do you guys have any, I guess, predictions either way of, of what the starting five will look like? Well, right now, Zion's going to be the one moving to the bench. <laughs> yeah, I guess when he, they're yeah, ready I, to bring I, him back into the starting To be clear, I, I think the question is talking about, you know, when, when he's, he's at full capacity and he's obviously a starter. Because right now, I think he's going to come off the bench. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. But do you want to Yeah, answer? I mean, I've, I'd go, uh, you know, Favors, Zion, V.I., um, um, Drew, and, and Lonzo. And I think J.J., like, like the uh, – person who asked the question say I think JJ probably goes to the bench and comes off but I think the way Lon- the way Lonzo's been playing these past couple of weeks I mean this is sort of the Lonzo ball that I was sort of thinking we would see at the beginning of the season I mean I was telling people I thought this would be the year that he proves that he should have been the number one draft pick and I think we're uh, number two draft pick I don't know if, if I see it number one two, two. Yeah. okay but um, I think we're starting to see that and I just think um, 
I don't know if they're going to do anything to disrupt what we're seeing out of him. And I think JJ's a guy who's going to be JJ regardless if he's starting to come up the bench because it's just the kind of player he is. He can shoot the lights out, and I think he'll be able to do the same regardless of what his role is there. So I, I think they, that's the five for me. Yeah, I mean, when I, if, for me to look at it, I kind of look at it in reverse, which is like I don't wanna, I'm not going to pick the player who's going to go to the bench. I'm going to pick the players you can't put on the bench, which is Favors has to start, right? He's a starter. You can't Ingram's not going anywhere. I think the beginning of the season there was a really interesting conversation between okay, who's going to start between him and Reddick? And now you look at it, it's like there's there's no question Brandon Ingram's on the floor. <laughs> like he might be the uh, best player on the team. <laughs> I, I mean he is the best player on the team. Zion might be the best future player on the team, but Brandon Ingram's the best NBA player right now. Uh, and then you know from there you're talking about you know Zion's on the floor in this theoretical scenario, <laughs> maybe a couple weeks down the road, and so you have those two you know you have those two guard spots. And you're talking about Drew. He's not going to be on the bench. I think that if Zion's in the starting lineup, Lonzo has to be in the starting lineup. Because, yeah, I would, I would yeah. agree with you guys. Um, I, I think you got to keep Lonzo in there. He has played, like you said, uh, this was the guy I thought the Pelicans were were getting to. You know, he he's such a natural fit in, in Alvin Gentry's system. Um, he's he's looked like kind of the UCLA version of himself. You know, pushing the pace. I think the Pelicans really want to make it work with Lonzo, and it it does make a little more sense to bring J.J. off the bench because, I mean, he's going to shoot like above 40% from three, rain, shine, you know, off the bench, starting. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the circumstance is. He's going to do his thing. Yeah, and as good as Lonzo's been, we haven't even seen him with Zion yet. I mean, I think that could take his game up even more, which is sort of scary when you think about it, when you look at what he's done and what he could possibly be doing once we – add him into the mix. I agree completely. I mean, if you go back and, and look at some of clip, those clips from the first four preseason games, those guys had, had serious chemistry. Uh, I think that Lonzo assisted on more than half of Zion's field goals in, in the preseason. I mean, they're going to be a problem in the pick and roll. Um, and you know, Zion is just a constant lob threat. And I think for Lonzo Ball to stay in the lineup, to stay in the starting lineup, he needs to continue hitting threes. Right? I think that to me, that's the biggest difference. At the beginning of the season, you looked at Brandon Ingram, a guy who was never a knockdown three-point shooter, and he has turned into one. You look at Lonzo, who has never been a knockdown three-point shooter, and he's now, you know, he's up around 40% his last 10 games. And so, like, at that point, you were like, okay, they need J.J. Redick for the shooting. Now you can kind of look at those two guys and say they're going to do enough that you can bring J.J. off the bench, and assuming that and everything he's kind of indicated in terms of his, you know, what he said and his mannerisms indicate that he's willing to do anything. You know, I, I think that that works. I think that makes sense. And then you get a scoring punch in the second unit that you didn't have before. Um, and a guy who you can always bring in down the stretch. And I've always said that the closing lineup is more important than the starting lineup. And, you know, it gives them a lot of options at that point, you know, depending on what they need. Because Lonzo Ball is as great as he is, and he probably will be in the starting lineup. He's a liability down the stretch of games because he can't make the free throws. So, you know, I think that that'll be an interesting split to see who, who starts the game and who finishes the game, especially if they're nursing a lead late. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think Redick, one of the great things about him is he's a very low-maintenance player. Like, he's, you know, he said, you know, coming into the season that I'm cool if you want to bring me off the bench. Um, so I think he's very accepting of that that role. Um, you know, I think that, that, that Drew, Lonzo, B.I., Fave, and, and Zion lineup has – Defensively, the potential to be very scary. I'm curious to see how they how they make it work on offense with not a ton of shooting, but defensively, they could be terrifying. The NBA trade deadline's coming up, February sixth. 
I believe. Is that right? Yeah, February 6th. You think, I mean, the the prevailing thought early on was they're going to be sellers. You're going to be talking about moving Drew Holiday, moving J.J. Reddick, moving favors. Now you almost move into, you know, could they be, you know, low-level buyers in terms of, like, is there a position that they could look at and try to bring somebody in? I don't know. I know they're not going to be sellers, though. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it seems like you, you kind of move to the opposite end where they have a lot of these assets that maybe they don't use. They have a bunch of second-round picks. Yeah, I mean, just think about where we were, I don't know, a month and a half ago when there was you know, a little smoke of, oh, are they going to move Drew Holiday? You, ha- you haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> no, for good reason. Um, winning cures a lot of... <laughs> winning is the best deodorant, baby. Yeah, Especially when you're winning games without... You know, I thought the Pistons game was... I didn't get to watch Pistons game. I, right. No, you didn't either because yeah. you were also at the national championship game. Uh, but they, uh, they won an overtime game for the first time all season. I thought that was cool. Uh, before that game, they had been like minus 22 or minus 42 or, well, let's see. I wrote it down. They went into that game minus 22 this season in their three overtime games. They've been outscored 42 to 20 in overtime games. In that game, they outscored the Pistons 15 to 8. And I thought that was really telling in terms of the fact that they've changed. This is not the same team you saw at the beginning of the season. They closed that game. How many games without right, basically but, the whole starting yeah, lineup? Right. I mean, that, and to me, that's. With Zion being out, I think one of the biggest things about this team is that they've been able to let guys like Jackson Hayes get minutes, and I just think that's going to make a big difference here in the second part of the season because now he's he knows what to do now. I mean, he's learning. I mean, he's still learning on the fly pretty much, but he's gotten some experience that he wouldn't have gotten, you know, had had things played out differently. So I think that's going to be big for this team down the stretch. Yeah, if there was a silver lining to Zion being out, it's that some of these young guys, I mean, they've had no choice but but to be in there and produce. I mean, I think. The number one takeaway in the first half of the season was that Brandon Ingram is capable of like being the guy for a franchise or, or carrying the scoring load night after night. Um, Ingram was just unreal in the first half. I can't wait to see how how him and Zion you know mesh at those forward spots. But you know going forward, those are, those are two cornerstone guys, and it, I don't think it was a given that you know Ingram was going to be that that cornerstone guy. You know going into the season, he's proven that he is. Yeah, yeah. Man, when it's time to most improved player, I mean, he'd definitely be a guy that's in the mix for that award. I mean, I think that's just how special he's been. And, you know, I think he's a guy that's deserving of an all-star spot. And obviously in, in the Western Conference, it's going to be tough for him to get one. But, I mean, I think he's definitely put up the numbers. And so we'll have to see how that plays out. All right, Thank guys. Uh, Rod, I appreciate you being on the show uh, today. We are going to get to see a lot of fun basketball here coming up in a, a, about a week. Um Subscribe to Birdwatch on Apple. Subscribe on Spotify. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. And have a great week.